As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Welcome to the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. Indeed. Welcome back, gang. As always, I am your host, The Witch, and on this episode, I've decided to go and look at a sadly forgotten Brit gangster comedy, 1998's Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, with one of my longtime friends from far across the water, the man known as Snowdog. How are you, mate? Not a bad man yourself. I am awesome, and I'm massively pumped to talk about this movie. When you said, yep, you would got it, and you wanted to watch it, I'm like, win. Absolute freaking win. I'm pumped, because I love this movie. I'm really glad I finally had an excuse to go back and visit a film that I should have really watched 20-odd years ago, but to my great um, (laughs) shame, I have never watched before now. So there we go. I I almost feel like Baz on... um, the podcast under the stairs that I'm going back and visiting films I should have seen in my youth. Yes, well, like I said, for a first time watch, I don't think he could have done much better than this guy, Richie Classic. Yeah, certainly um, I now get a lot more of what people were talking about and there's there's scenes in it that everyone's aware of, even if you haven't seen the movie. Oh, hell yeah. So for those of you that aren't aware, here's the trailer. Oh, don't be silly, Dad. I wouldn't have anything to do with that. 50 grand. 80 grand. 100 grand. 250. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Poor young fellas got in deeper than they could handle. I imagine that's why I'm here. Find them, torture them, and kill them. Who are we doing this for? You're doing it for me. It's all you need to know. Like one of those James Bond films. If you have a better idea how to get 500,000 in the next few days, let us know. Okay. Thanks, sir. And they're armed. Armed with what? Uh, bad breath, colourful language. If the milk turns out to be sour, I ain't the kind of pussycat to drink it. One, two. Do you know what I mean? We have only got two real guns. Do these work? I feel safer with a chicken drumstick. I've been this spring. That's it. Go, 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 timer! Four friends. The odds are 100 to 1. Have three days. If you bend the truth, I'll kill you. And two guns. If you forget anything, I'll kill you. For one shot at greatness. Now, do you understand everything I've said? Because if you don't, I'll kill you. He shot me! Gramercy Pictures presents... Ah! I've been shot! Go and stop getting shot! A Guy Ritchie film. A minute ago, this was the safest job in the world. Now, it's turning into a bad day in Bosnia. Lockstock and two smoking barrels. Right, wrap them guns up. Count the money. Put your seatbelt on. And as mentioned, this is 1998's Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels with a runtime of one hour and 47 minutes. And again, this is a two-hour movie, basically, and does not feel like a two-hour movie. No, it flies in. It's one of those, you just get carried along with the ride and the next thing you know, you're looking at the end titles. Yes, uh, and singing along to the to the, the um, Stone Temple Pilots, I think is the, one of the last tracks on the... On the Stone Roses. Do, do. 
Stone Roses. That's right, Stone Roses, not Stone Temple Pilots. I made a mistake, ladies and gentlemen. Deal with it. Uh, so, according to our friends at IMDb, uh, for Jack the Lad, Jack the Lads. That is that. A, can you pluralize that? Is it a plural? Is it another? Is it a collective noun for lads other than Jack? Is it a Jack of Lads, yeah, well, or are they Jack the Lads? Who knows? Well, it says for Jack the Lads. Which said, I'm not sure you can pluralise that. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. They find themselves heavily, seriously heavily, in debt to an East End hard man and his enforcers after a crooked card game. Overhearing their neighbours in the next flat plotting to hold a group of out-of-their-depth drug growers, our heroes decide to stitch up the robbers in turn. In in a way, the confusion... <sighs> Words are hard. Um, in a way, the confusion really starts when a pair of antique double-barrel shotguns go missing in a completely different scam. Uh, that's got most of what happens in this movie, but there are some key things left. Yeah, there's. I mean, I think you have to leave some things for the for the actual watch, and you can't tell everything that's going to happen in it. Well, see, IMDb sometimes go. Well, you get like a summary that that's like half a page long, and other times you'll get like two lines, and you're going, I don't even remember that bit from the movie. <laughs> it's a film. Uh, things happen. <laughs> Stuff. <laughs> There are people, yeah, there's stuff and things, and I like it. And it's like, fuck, all right. To be honest, I'm surprised more IMDb um, synopses aren't just first, because that's the thing you see on nearly everything written on the internet, is first. (laughs) Yes, first, there was a film, and this was it. Uh, Now, the rating on IMDb is 8.2, and I think that is pretty much bang on, to be honest. Uh, 8.2 out of 10, I think, is quite good. Um, considering IMDb can go very much one way or the other. Yes, it's, it's you, you rarely get very high ratings on films unless it's you know kind of bona fide classics, and I think that kind of mm-hmm. hints that this is in that category for sure. And it does get an R rating because although there's no well, there's frontal nudity uh, briefly, mm. there is a reasonable amount of violence in this movie. <laughs> reasonable is one way of putting it. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> the the thing that gets me is it's not crazy film violence you know it's not matrix 360 slow motion violence it's mm. it's more gritty realistic you know things you could do at home mm. with a you know violence rather than needs special equipment violence yeah I, i'm gonna take that as things you could do at home violence yes it's a do there's, there's, there's some it's, it's it's an achievable level of violence it's not that you know <laughs> I, I aspire to be able to do some of the action movie stuff, you know, and all the different martial arts and all the rest of it. But, you know, kicking, smacking somebody's yeah, head with a car door is it eminently achievable to anyone with a car, really, or with access they're, they're to a car. Very, very true. And that just jumping into that, that is one of the most disturbing scenes in the whole fucking movie. <laughs> yes, the Vinnie Jones meltdown is pretty impressive. Yes. Um, so speaking of Vinnie Jones we probably should talk about the other people that are in this movie and it is directed by Guy Ritchie who is I like to think he's the king of the Conkney gangster movie really the modern ones yeah certainly in my opinion in my opinion um, so he wrote and directed this movie uh, plus quite a few that we'll be seeing down the track uh, on this show uh, obviously Snatch Revolver Rock and Roller and just recently The Gentleman uh, that had Hugh Grant in it in a very good role, I thought. I haven't seen that yet, actually. I'll, I'll wait 22 years and watch it, it, same as I did with this one. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. You know, just to get the feel right. And yeah, see, I'm, I'm, now uh, for again, me to work I mean, through Guy Ritchie's catalogue, 
I, I'm now starting from Lockstock, and I can now go every year, go through the next movie, released up to a point. So sometime in the 2050s, I'll be up to date. There you go. There's a goal. It's important to have goals. Now, speaking of goals, this stars Jason Fleming as Tom, um, who has been in British TV for and movies for about 20-plus years. Um, I think most recently I saw him in Pennyworth, which is a friggin' fantastic series, mm. if you've not seen it. I haven't seen it yet, no. I know he's in um, oh, one so- of the Clash of the Titans movies. He's the uh, king that gets cursed in Clash of the Titans. Acrisius. Wow. And he's an X-Men as well. You know what? I'm taking your word on that one. He's an X-Men as well. X-Men first class. Yes, 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 yes. But like I said, he's he's in Pennyworth, which is about the early life of Alfred Pennyworth from Batman. Mm. You should get on that, mate, because it's freaking awesome. Um, Who else is in it? Uh, Nick Moran as Eddie, uh, another, uh, obviously, a Brit TV staple who also has uh, two Harry Potter movies under his belt. Yeah, there's the one thing I, I really noticed when I went through this was like, oh, I know him. Oh, I know him. Oh, that. Oh, that's so and so, and that's so. You know, just amazing the number of people that um, oh, you, yeah. you recognise. Absolute who's who of yeah, it's a who's who of Brit TV um, and, and movies. It's freaking amazing. I mean, this is. I think this is Jason Statham's first role. Well, that's the thing um, of the a little bit of IMDb trivia, but there's 44 speaking parts in a movie and 17 of them were played by people who had never acted before. There you go. Well, you know, if you want to get a realistic feel, I suppose, why not go with real people? Yeah, I mean, not- <clears throat> we'll come on to it later, but my favourite character is not an actor in this movie. And, um, or not, not, you know, wasn't trained as an actor or anything like that. But, um, there's so many like realistic people in this that you know you just look at them and think yeah. you're not an actor, but you that you are no. that role. You know you you don't have to act because that yeah, is you yeah. anyway. So yes, it, you fit in that perfectly. Um, and one of those I reckon is probably Alan Ford as Alan, and also the narrator. And I mean, look, he is a he's a Richie mainstay. Yeah. Um, his voice is so good in this movie, and it's one of the like I love a movie with a narration. I will watch almost anything with a narration just because it it's just cool. To be honest, I, I find myself uh, narrating my own life at times because it, it's the only way I can half make sense out of some of it. So, yeah, I think a narrator can make a make massive difference in a film. Yeah. If only I could get my own theme music, that'd be great. <laughs> I do, but it's just rubbish. It's, uh, there, well, you know. It's, it's like comic comedy villain. Um... <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> yes. It's like creeping around. Do, 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 do. Oh, noises in the background is all I get. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, you know, to each his own. And obviously, you know, we did mention that this is Vinnie Jones's first role as well. Yeah, Um, finally he's famous for something other than grabbing Paul Gascoigne's testicles on a football match. Yeah, I had to look that up. (laughs) (laughs) In the UK, that's, you know, one of the most iconic images is just standing there, reaching behind him, grabbing Paul Gascoigne by the um, gentleman's area was pretty iconic in the sort of 80s and 90s over here. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, it's a guy Richie really just rocketed him up there. He used him in quite a few of his films. Mm. Uh, it looked very similar roles, but I think he's done well. And, you know, I look, I would be remiss without saying, of course, Sting as Eddie's dad. Yes. it's. It was, I was a bit surprised when I saw Sting, I have to admit. And I thought, oh, that's... That... <laughs> It's an interesting one because he's very kind of one level all the way through it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't really show much of a range in it, but then it's Sting. So it's maybe just playing himself. 
Well, you know, his, his energy's probably all spent with the tantrics. Well, I was going to go you know, there, they, but they I thought, just... you know, he's maybe just building up to something, but we'll not go there either. <laughs> just holding it all in just for that, yeah. Anyway, let, let's not think about Sting building up. Yes. That could be kind of weird. Um, so, apparently this like, had a budget of like $1.3 million, which is nothing. No. Absolutely bugger all by real by anyone's number. And I think it made like $28 mil, like worldwide or something, right. which again is insane. Um, One of the interesting they, things for me... Sorry, just before we go off, the people that's in it was Dexter Fletcher for me. Yeah. It was a big one. He's obviously much more known as a director now, but um, Dexter Fletcher's okay. a big TV star in the UK. When I was growing up, certainly. Okay. He's been in a, a, all sorts of so, different things, and he's very doing very well as a director now. So, could you tell me who Dexter Fletcher was? Soap. In this movie? Ah, right. So, see, for, for those of us outside of England, he's he's the kid from um, uh, the school program back when I was a kid. Um, oh, shit, what's it called? Um, he was the American kid in the in the British school program that I can't remember from when I was a kid. And see, now I'm going to have to Google it, ladies and gentlemen. I am actually googling <laughs> live uh, while I talk because I need to remember what it is. Um, He's in Bugsy Malone, apparently. Me, and I should have done this. He's in Bugsy Malone. Apparently, his baby face, according to Wikipedia. Okay. Press gang. Curse you, Wikipedia. Press gang? Would that be the TV series you're thinking of? No. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm going to get to it. You're going to go, oh, right. That one. Uh, No, no, no. It's not Press Gang. Not Band of Brothers. Oh, you bastard. Now I'm going to have to. Now now I've got to go to IMDb because it's going to tell me this is riveting listening for anyone at home. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, go and, uh, what go and have a coffee or something while we work out what this is. Yes, while well, we work out what it is, um, it's a thing, it's still a thing, I can't find it. Uh, oh, shit, it's a British, like, literally a British uh, program that was, like, about a bunch of school kids, and he was, like, the American school kid. Um, it was, like, during the during the 80s. I like to, you know, again, showing that I'm an incredibly old person. You're um, not that old, mate. You're only a little bit older than me. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it, it, it sounds better when I... Because now I've got an excuse for, like, being crap at Google. Because uh, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Your old man Google skills are not up to them. Yeah, the, the, see, my thumbs don't work as well as they should. Um, while I'm still scanning, 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 scanning. Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, he's, he's got a lot of titles to his to his name. I'll give him that. Um, Chimp meat. He, he was in the Long Good Friday. No, wow. Huh. He was a kid in the Long Good Friday, um, which I'm actually doing very soon. Um, no, it's gonna fuck me off now. Can't find it. Don't remember what it is. Doesn't matter. Fuck it. Um, for anyone yelling at their phone right now, just send me an email. Um, doesn't matter. Uh, but he is really good. He look legit cards on the table. He's actually my standout for this movie. Yeah. Because I, <clears throat> I really want to know what his past was. Because <laughs> he comes out with some stuff that's like yeah. seriously like guns are for show, knives for a pro. <laughs> yes. That yes, was a bit like, that I was like, oh, hang on a minute, okay. you're just you're the kind of mild mannered guy. What the fuck's that come from? <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what what is going on there? What why 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 do you have like a whole like roll of knives? This is like oh so so weird. But yeah, like you know the others are like really obvious, and you know because he's supposedly the clean one. It's like no, I really want to know more about his uh, his background just for the sake of going. That's kind of also why is he called uh, soap? <clears throat> That's a potentially interesting. Well, I thought he was one called of... soap because I, I thought he was called soap because he he was the clean one. Well, yeah, I mean, there's Jason Statham's called Bacon, so you know, th- is that because he used to be in the police? You know, it's, there's all. I, I just don't think soap is. I think there might be more behind the soap story. An origin. What we need is an origin Rob- movie for soap. We need an origin <laughs> movie for soap, and, and to find out whether Tommy was actually originally fat, well, or got fat later. <clears throat> actually, the, again, with the doing a little bit of um, digging, the reason he's referred to as fat quite a lot during it is because Stephen Marcus, that plays Nick the Greek, was originally going to play Tom, and Stephen Marcus is ah. quite a rotund gentleman, so that's why he's um, referred to as fat quite a lot because it used to be Steve, it was going to be Stephen Marcus. See, look at you bringing all the facts. It's like you've done homework and stuff, mate. I know. Not the usual half-ass <clears throat> stuff that I do when I turn up. I just... It's all—it's almost like I thought, oh, I better make a half-decent job of this. So I'll um, actually go and do some homework. <laughs> for the first time in my life. I've not done any work for my work in a long time, but I've, I've done some homework for your podcast. Yeah, look, yeah, but like legitimate work where you get paid for it? Man, you can stretch that shit out. You can... Le- <laughs> Okay, the, the, the show that I was thinking of was Grange Hill. Ah, um, Grange Hill. That's a... I'm sure he was in Grange Hill. It doesn't list it, but... I just... Re- I, I, I'm sure he was like the American kid in Grange Hill. But I could be wrong. Um, anyway, that's a story for another day. Um, you can stop yelling at your phone now, folks. I was apparently just on crack. Um, which is not unusual. So let me ask you a question. Did you have like the... Because you bought the Blu-ray or the DVD? DVD. DVD. So did the, did the DVD have the director's cut or just the original theatrical It's just the original on? basic one. Righty, right. Which is the one that I, I obviously watched as well. But apparently, in the in the director's cut, um, there's uh, Ed. Ed apparently explains how to play three card brag to people. Uh, Big Chris goes to see a man. Uh, the the bit with Big Chris and the guy in the sunbed is longer. Tom Soap and Bacon are shown walking through the pub to the bar while Ed is playing cards. Uh, we see more of the card game. We get a history between uh, JD and Harry, which probably would have been interesting. Hmm. Um, the dialogue is apparently different when Barry's talking to the two. Uh, well, it says Scousers. Here, Scousers, yeah. For those of you at home, yeah, they're, they're people that are from the north, Liverpool. Um, li- there you go, specifically Liverpool, um, and they're they're the inept thieves in this movie. Um, although, like, that's where we get our our, our our topless scene. So I did focus on that a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a perfectly timed um, sip of coffee there that very nearly ended up on my monitor. Thanks, mate. <laughs> um, apparently, when Big Chris is talking to uh, when he walks into Harry's office near the end, um, the guy in the sunbed is apparently there, which is weird. Um, you get more of Ed being interviewed by the police, um, and then. Oh, you actually hear all of the joke that Soap tells in the car, which I, I'm curious about. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Um, and there's also a scene prior to Big Chris coming into Harry's office. 
um, uh, when they're talking about the debt and um, yeah there's between the Baptist and, and Chris and all that sort of stuff which is meh not all that important but um, yeah there's a couple of bits in there that I, obviously I might have to go snooping around to see if I can find it because weirdly enough I just really want to know the rest of that joke that's I, exactly what I thought when I watched it I, I want to know what the, that actual joke was about because I hate the fact that I, there's nothing worse than being half a joke and not getting to find out what the rest of it is <laughs> Well, look, any joke that starts with there are three black cocks uh, <laughs> and a white pussy. I'm going, I mean, tell me, tell me the rest. I have to hear the rest of that joke. Uh, just because it's worth it. Uh, so, yeah, go on. No, I was going to say there's, a, there's a, another thing with, um, there's a weird Sherlock Holmes connection in this movie that I don't Do know if you're aware of. Well, Guy Ritchie went on to direct Sherlock Holmes, the movie, he didn't did. he? With, and the pothead that gets his toes blown off played the young Sherlock Holmes in the movie Young Sherlock Holmes because I immediately recognised him from watching that as a kid I went oh that's the kid that was Sherlock Holmes in the sort of Sherlock Holmes origin story movie if you like when he's at school and then he gets his toes blown off and I thought oh dear that might explain why he's on the heroin and plays the violin so much in his later life sure why not that that is a weird fact and goes to show that I've never seen young Sherlock Holmes I have seen the Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes um, which is actually quite good A lot of people bagged it. It's certainly, it's certainly better than I. Um, my, me and my brother are both massive Sherlock Holmes fans in terms of like old school black and white. You know, um, Basil Rathbone, Sherlock Holmes. You know the, the, the hilariously overacted um, Doctor Watson as well from those Sherlock Holmes. You know the massive bluff and bluster with the big mustache and everything else. Yes. Yes, the Dr. Watson who served in the army, but it's about as much use as a chocolate tea bag most of the time. So, yeah, that's um, the bit that always amused me with him. Oh, see, I love a bit of Basil Rathbone. He's awesome. He's freaking awesome. Oh, see, now I'm thinking about that. He has the OG Sherlock Holmes as oh, far as I'm concerned. I fully agree and support you in that. I'm 100% on board. Now, something else that I'm on board with has to be the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack to this movie. It is fucking awesome. <laughs> That's one of the first comments I wrote um, in my notes. Is music takes me oh, back to my yeah. teens. So Ocean Colors scene, the Stone Roses, Castaways, and then the stuff like um, having the Stooges in there, a bit of James Brown. Yeah. Such a mix of um, just really good, and it's all different types of yeah, music and, and it's styles. All, but it's all got really solid bass lines in it, and that goes all the way through. And it's, like I said, mm. fantastic soundtrack. It's uh, I, I've got to be honest. I, there was a, a bit of me that I was uh, I was given a bit of the old shoulder dance to the big payback. Um, not going to lie there. For those of you at home that have not heard that story, I'm not going to tell it again. Snowy knows what it is, and that's what matters. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, the at least it wasn't the same. No, dance. well, I can't do that because I'm fucking. Sh- see, this is the point where I cut you off. Fuck you. That's fucking safety. Safety dance. <laughs> this is the bit yeah, that gets edited right. out. And I get an, a big black mark against my name and never allowed yeah, to you darken get, your doorstep. And that's it. <laughs> you can dance then. Oh, so you're connected. The connection's gone. Can't. And that's it. Anyway. <laughs> moving on, moving on from that that minor abuse that we won't again we won't talk about. Um, we probably should just go into the general beats of the movie, and we can sort of chat through some of the bits that uh, we liked. 
you know, the setup of this mm. is so good. You know, you get you get the tone of the movie really early. You get the introduction of obviously uh, Bacon and Eddie, and then you get like Tom and Nick the Greek, and then the intro to Soap. Um, you know, all all that. Well, your introduction to Bacon and Eddie is, uh, as I've put, is a very reminiscent of uh, transporting. Yes. Yeah, um, doing something illegal and then getting chased down the streets while music plays. I'm like, oh, it's funny the train spotting came out. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, it's. Uh, I wonder where the inspiration for that mm, scene came, guy. Yes, even right down to running downstairs. But still, we won't hold it against Guy. This was his first big movie, so. But it, look, it's it's still kind of cool. Right, let's sort the buyers from the spires, the needy from the greedy, and those who trust me from the ones who don't. Because if you can't see value here today, you're not up here shopping, you're up here shoplifting. You see these goods, never seen daylight, moonlight, Israelite, funny by the gaslight. Take a bag, come on, take a bag. I took a bag home last night, it gives me a lot more than £10, I can tell you. Anyone like jewellery? Look at that one there. Handmade in Italy, hand stolen in Stepney. It's as long as my arm, I wish it was as long as something else. Don't think because these boxes are sealed up, they're empty. The only man who sells empty boxes is The Undertaker. And by the look of some of you lot here today, I make more money with me measuring tape. Here, one price. Ten pounds. Did you say ten pounds? Are you deaf? That's a bargain. I'll take one. Squeeze in if you can. Left leg, right leg. Your body will follow. They call it walking. You want one as well, darling? You do. That's it. They're waking up. Treat the wife. Treat somebody else's wife. It's a lot more fun if you don't get caught. Hold on, you want one as well? Okay, darling, show me a bit of life then. It's no good standing out there like one o'clock half struck. Buy them, you better buy them. These are not stolen. They just haven't been paid for them. We can't get them again. They've changed the bloody locks here. What for you? No good coming back later when I've sold out. Too late, too late will be the cry when the man with the bargains has passed you by. And if you've got no money on you now, you'll be crying tears as big as October cabbages. Bacon cosmos. And up to this point, the only person I'd seen selling things out of a suitcase was uh, Derek Trotter and Only Fools and Horses. So it was good to see somebody else pulling the whole selling stolen goods out of there a suitcase. There's part of me that wants to know whether that actually happens, like legit whether it happens. Um, you know, I, I've seen I've seen it kind of happen here. <laughs> In strange places, but invariably um, there's a smaller group of people and what they're selling out of the suitcase, uh, everyone goes to jail. Uh, <laughs> yes. No. It's not jewellery. No, 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 it's not jewellery. No, not even close. Although there can be some... Well, hey! Um, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Um, so obviously, you know, the, the deal is they've got to put together a uh, hundred thousand pounds so Eddie can go and play cards with uh, Hatchet Harry Lonsdale, um, and uh, so they all sort of chip in twenty five k each. Uh, and look, I don't care who you are, twenty five grand, like twenty five thousand pound dollars. That's a lot of fucking money. Right, that is a yeah. That's not. Oh, I found this down the back. Yeah, of the yeah. You know what? You know, I, I won't go and buy a round at the pub. I'll give it to you instead. Uh, but this is that's fucking serious cash. And it's the bit when Tom's obviously as Tom is getting his money, he sells the ample. Uh, doesn't the amp come with it. Doesn't know. It doesn't fucking and come with it. Doesn't come with a speaker. Yeah. <laughs> and one of my favourite lines of you could choke a dozen donkeys <laughs> on that. When he when like the Greek pulls out his massive wad of cash, and my initial thought was, I wonder how that translates. And so many other quotes in this movie translate to other parts <laughs> of the world where they just kind of go. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yeah, 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 why, why would you be choking donkeys? But, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, donkeys don't eat money. What, is, what, what's what's this going on? But I mean, like, I can only imagine that there are parts of the world where 
this had to have subtitles. And I know there's a section um, like later on where they're talking about Rory Breaker where it actually does have subtitles in it. Um, and, and Yeah, we'll definitely yeah. come to that. I want to talk about that. so right. too, because even I struggled. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's a lot of parts of the world where they just go, no, I don't understand. They just read and go, okay, the local equivalent is this. All right, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to wonder when it's like been done in other languages what the people have actually said. How does choke a dozen donkeys on that translate into Malaysian or Russian or French or German or whatever? How how do you translate Cockney rhyming slang into these other languages? Look, I don't know. Well, look, how, how do you translate causes? <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I, I I sort of heard that. Okay, look, I know what that is, but uh, I remember watching it with with one of my mates look, years ago. Now we were we were out and about, and he looked at me and I said, "Coppers, mate, like you know, copper, cosa." And he just went, "Yeah, all right." He goes, "I'm not going to like this, am I?" I went, mm. "No, nah, probably not, bro." Because <laughs> there's another quote I've got, which is, "Soap, stop being such." Oh, a yes. And you know, when, when that gets translated, it's going to be soap. Stop being such a meat grinding device. Stop really being a meat grinder. As what yeah. mincer really is implying. Yeah, stop being a meat grinder. <laughs> Just okay, sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> I don't know. But again, yeah. Anyway, we'll get into it as we go further there. But there's a whole lot of that all the way through. Um, you know and. We sort of get through obviously introductions. We get back to Eddie and Bacon's home, which is terrible. Like it is just a shithole. Um, and we find out that you know they're, they're yes, pretty yeah, grim. It's, it's pretty grim, but it's cheap, like the bird, like the budgie. <laughs> Cheap. Uh, cheap, cheap. Cheap, cheap. But we then find out, obviously, that they're neighbours who are... Um, they're not drug dealers. They're people that steal drugs from drug dealers. Uh, they're pretty much just enforcers, and um, they've pro- you've got to reckon they're running protection oh, scams and they, various things like I mean, that. But they're, they're serious criminals. Mm, proper. That's not the people you want to know. Well, some of them. There's, some of them are a bit less serious, well, I would yeah. argue. But, um, yeah, the the majority of them you do not want no, to go anywhere near. No, because, well, they've actually got access to guns, which in England is not a good sign. Um, <laughs> and finally... Although I love the fact that one of them has got a brain gun because that just shows how old and rubbish some of the guns yeah. that people get, you know, in this country compared to others are. That he's got a World War II yes. light machine gun. Yeah, well, again, it's... it's, it's it's the absolute stupidity of the Bren gun. I mean, it's, it's a fucking anti aircraft weapon. It's just yeah, they did put them in. They did put them in other aircraft yeah, to shoot down like, stuff. Yeah, oh. it's, um, it's not no, the most portable. No, although he seems to carry it off pretty well. Uh, where am I? Anyway, so they do that. Then we get introduced to our our drug dealers, um, Snow White and the Three Chemists. I think they get called later on. What is that? That's Gloria. Yes, I know. That's Gloria. What's that? Fertilizer. You went out six hours ago to buy a money counter and you come back with a semi-conscious Gloria and a bag of fertilizer. Alarm bells are ringing, Willie. Uh, we need fertilizer, Winston. Mm-hmm. We also need a money counter. This money's got to be out by Thursday. I'm buggered if I'm going to count it. Oh, and um, if you do have to buy sodding fertilizer, could you just be a little more subtle? What do you mean? We grow copious amounts of ganja, Yeah. Yeah. And you're carrying a wasted girl and a bag of fertiliser. You don't look like your average hoarder fucking culturalist. That's what I mean, Willie. <laughs> yeah, the horty fucking culturalists. 
Yeah, so they're just a bunch of, like, toffs. They're just rich kids. They're soft as shite, apparently. Ah. Uh, yeah, they've obviously studied at university, but studied them. Um, yeah, that's right, got a degree in the... Uh, rather, rather than... Something useful. Well, you'll, maybe they got arts degrees. Who knows? Yeah. Probably. And they thought, I can either work in a McDonald's for the rest of my life, or I can go into yes. this instead. And really, drug dealing... Well, you know, to each his own. Um, uh, oh, and of course, we get to meet Chris, Big Chris, and Little Chris. <laughs> Big Chris settles debts for Harry. The only thing he cares more about than an unsettled debt is his son and heir, Little Chris. Look at me! This is one of them high-power jobs, isn't it? Got some bad news for you, John. What the fuck? Mind your language in front of the boy. Jesus Christ! That includes blasphemy as well. Now tell me, John, how can you be concentrating on improving this lovely tan, and it is a lovely tan, by the way, when you've got more pressing priorities at hand? Tell Harry... I mean, Mr. Harry, I've been busy. I'm nearly there. Check his locker, son. I don't suppose there's any chance of you lifting this sunbed up, Chris, is there? It's not poor. It's got over a monkey here, and that's just in his wallet. Fucking hell, John. You always walk around with that in your pocket. Oi! You use language like that again, son. You wish you hadn't. Sorry, Dad. Right, we'll put the rest of the stuff in there. You can go home on a plastic bag tonight, John. You owe what you owe. And by the time this tan's faded, you want to have paid. Yes, that's that's a brilliant oh, introduction. The, the, by the, the bit in the in that in the tanning salon where he's just like, just come on, John. It's just like a bang hits him hits him with that thing. It's just like, oh. <laughs> it's, it's the it's the reaction when his son comes out with that line and it's just like because <laughs> he's sitting there going, not in front of the boy you know watch the language blah 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 and his son just oh man I I nearly folded when I when his kid said that I just did not expect those words to come out of that young boy. I had to look up what a monkey was. Um, again, wasn't wasn't I? <laughs> ah, see, that's where my ill-gotten past working in the bookmakers ah. comes to play. Um, knowing the different money values because it's the kind of thing that some of the old guys would come in and say I want a monkey on number three in the 230 or whatever you know uh, or pony which is 25 quid or you know these kind of things so it's they call it cockney slang but it's more widely used than that it's not just cockneys that use it it's a kind of gambling thing as well all around the UK it's not used nowadays. I mean, if you went and your average person nowadays wouldn't, you know, teenager or early twenties or whatever would have no idea. Monkey and it's like what you you bartering in animals or something. But, if you've um, got to get a bed on, you've got to get a bed on, mate. It's exactly. It's more likely to send your monkey to put the bet on rather than putting a bet on it was a monkey. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things that immediately took me back to my my uh, my teen years working my way through school and the betting shops, getting abused by old men. Oh, old men whose fingers were, were verbally abused by old men from nicotine stains. Uh. Oh, that's another thing that got me with this was the whole. It seems weird seeing people smoking yes. in pubs and other confined spaces. I mean, it's been thirteen years here since we banned it, but 
it's like as as a former smoker, I, you know, I, I you know I remember the, being able to do those things, and but it just seems so alien now that you yes. would be able to smoke. Yeah, and, and listen, they smoke like literally everywhere. And look, I'm much the same as next smoker. It always fascinates me. Um, you know, I mean, I, I remember like smoking in the workplace, and it's just it's, yes, I when they had ashtrays in McDonald's. Um, <laughs> I remember the ashtrays and yes. planes. I remember, you know, being up. My mum used to smoke, and we'd go on holiday, and we'd be in the smoking section of the plane because my mom, so my mum could smoke on the flight mm. to America or whatever. And um, yeah, that seems completely it's weird now. Years ago, um, so we sort of we we travel on and we get a little bit further, and um, we then get like the, uh, it's sort of the storyline that ties it all together, which is um, Harry wanting the antique shotguns. And then getting getting Barry to hire yep. the two scouse thieves, Gary and Dean, to then steal them um, from the from the, obviously the bankrupt lord, and that yeah. that's kind of everybody um, in, in in the movie, and they're various sort of bits and pieces. Um, and then uh, yeah, there's obviously the bit about we learn about Eddie's ability to uh, see through cards, if you will, and and then obviously we get into the game itself, and even the the, the game itself. It's funny because Victor McGuire, who plays Gary. The, yeah, the yeah. curly-haired scouser, the one with the big mm. buffalo hairdo, it was famous for being in a, a sitcom over here called I, Bread. I'm very aware of um, Bread. Based yeah, in we, Liverpool. We got, we got Bread here. Yeah, so he was um, Jack, I think mm. it was, in Bread. But my funniest memory of him is the fact that he's actually the... the um, He's in the Phantom of the Opera, the Gerard Butler Phantom of the Opera movie, as he's the, um, the, the lead male role in the opera team. And really? Phantom of the Opera. Because I remember seeing him in that going, that's the guy for bread and he's playing an opera singer? What the... And then it's always just stuck with me that he is um, the the singer, the guy that's, you know, that the Phantom replaces. Uh. Because he's sitting there going, the guy's like clearly like, I don't know, 130 kilos. He's no, not he, a, he, a he's light a chap. Solid, solid and you have Gerard Butler who's maybe like 70 kilos and I'm like... You know, the costumes fit him, really. You know, how, how is he? How, nobody notices that the guy's lost like 50 kilos between Act 1 and Act 2. No, 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 no. Suspend yeah. disbelief. Look, it goes to show the difference uh, in the sort of things that we view because I had no idea that Jared Butler had done The Phantom of the Opera. Oh, um, the main thing you have to remember with that is that, uh, was it Millie Rossum that's in it as. The, the female lead in the Phantom of the Opera it's well worth a watch yeah. for that alone but um, you, may have, you may have swayed me Victor Maguire is also in he's also in The Force Awakens going back to your last episode with Court where you talked about someone who was in The Force Awakens but um, Victor Maguire is a bar patron in The Force Awakens isn't everyone <laughs> he's also in Chernobyl which is one of the best oh, things I've Chernobyl seen on television in a long time friggin fantastic like just um, look, I, you know, I'm I'm not usually one for um, for watching serious television because who's got time for that? Uh, but Chernobyl uh. was oh fucking like just really good and like fucking haunting to a degree. He's also in oh my god, he's in Hellraiser Hellworld, which is like one of the one of the <laughs> worst Hellraiser movies ever. See, it's amazing the the. Um the rabbit holes you go down when you start talking oh, to me about see, these things. This is why I need people like you to talk to, just to go, okay, dickhead, listen to this. And just go, <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's such, I mean, he's in such like, um, like Good Night mm. Sweetheart, which is a TV series over here by Nicholas Lenters, which was very kind of, 
cutesy, you know, but certainly not cutting edge, let's put it that way. It's your, your classic kind of safe rom, uh, not rom well, it, it was a, type a of thing. thing. But then you say, well, he's actually in Hellraiser as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, same guys in this, Isn't, it's in Hellraiser. Like, wasn't Goodnight Sweetheart like a time travel thing too? He used to walk through a cupboard or something. Yeah, he would go back yeah, to the he second world. wives, I remember that. I used to go, really? Who's got yes. that much effort? Um, it's just fucking... <laughs> Surely one's exactly. more than enough for most people. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of more than enough, um, do you like how I just segued that? That's like professional. Oh, it's, it's almost like you do this, you know, yeah. more than once a year, mate. Almost. It's almost like you almost. know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, except for that bit where I was Googling really badly. Um, we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the come and listen to me Google stuff podcast did not really yeah. kick it off the way it was yeah, um, it, hoped it's it weird would. How the, maybe I should go to video and people can watch me use my phone. Um, so, so anyway, they they get to they get to the um, the card game. Uh, the boys are sent around the corner to Samoan Joe's. Um, what? Oh, <laughs> more it's, it's a theme pub. <laughs> Just go. What? So the thing is that you and I, given that obviously you live in Australia and I used to live in New Zealand, we've probably met a Samoan yes. called Joe. That's yes. the difficult part yes. for me, or, or, or at the very least, Joseph. Uh, depending on how well you know him. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, Joseph more than likely because Joe yes. would probably get you a beating if you called yes, him that. Yes, well, probably uh, crush your head like a melon. Um, so anyway, look, so we do that. We see uh, you know bits and pieces. You know the, the, the game's continuing, uh, lots of stuff, and we find out that uh, that Harry is cheating. Which is uh, look, I thought that was a bit shitty, but nonetheless, you know the game's rigged. Harry's cheating. Um, and he pushes the ante up to the point where it's like five hundred thousand um, pounds, and you know tricks Eddie into into borrowing the money from him. And I'm going, surely you can't lend the person that you're playing against the money. And anyway, the like, weird card playing logic going in there, um, and like takes him to the cleaners, and, and then everything starts to clearly spiral out of control for Ed and the boys. It's a weird scene after that with Ed, where he's basically, it's like he's. You know, it's that feeling when you've had 15 drinks in the pub and you've been sitting there all fine. You suddenly get up and your legs went home before you because he just he can barely walk. He can barely move. He's he's completely out of it all of a sudden. Just a, a switch yeah. flips yeah, and he's and, gone. And he's completely GoPro'd it. He's just like, whoa, this way. <laughs> he's fucking all over the joint. But, and the thing is, like, you automatically know that feeling. Like I say, if, you, if you've been to the pub and, and been drinking all day and then yeah. you get up and go, whoa, no, that's not right. None of these things seem to work the way they're supposed to. Uh, so we then cut back to uh, Dog and the criminals who were torturing two guys by smacking uh, golf balls into one of them who's hanging upside down while the other one holds the balls in his mouth uh, or hold, holds the tea in his mouth while Dog, like, just hits a... I was, I was going to say, mate, you're watching a different movie for me. There was nobody with balls uh, in the mouth. You don't know what stuff. happened before then. <laughs> Is that yeah. in the director's cut? Is it? It's a bit of a mess. Yeah, someone said get the tea bags, and uh, someone misunderstood. <laughs> uh, and um, then, obviously, we go through that. They steal their money and drugs. Plank goes over to see uh, the weed growers, and we learn that you know they've got security, but never use it because they're pretty much out of their fucking gourds most of the time. Uh, which that's a brilliant scene when the Winston yeah, comes. Yeah. Winston comes home. With the, and it's like, you, we grow copious amounts of ganja in here. 
and you're walking along the street with a completely wasted girl and a bag of fertilizer under your yeah, And you went out six hours ago to get a money counting machine. <laughs> I think that scene tells you all you need to know about how professional these guys are. The, the security is not locked and the guy's <clears throat> gone out for one thing, come home with something completely different and a spaced out girlfriend. And that's, it's just like, yeah, that's, um, yeah that tells a lot does, of stories. It's, it's, it's about him. Um, we flip back to the boys, obviously, trying to come together with a plan. And look, I think it would be remiss if we didn't talk about um, Tom's plan to recoup the cost. Listen to this one. You open up a company called Arse Ticklers Faggots Fan Club. You what? You take out an advert in the back page of some gay mag advertising the latest in arse intruding dildos. You sell it with, I don't know, does what no other dildo can do until now. The latest and greatest in sexual technology. Guaranteed results of your money back. All that bollocks. Now, these deals cost 25 quid a pop. That's a snip for the amount of pleasure they're going to give the recipient. But they send their checks to the other company name. Nothing offensive, uh... Bobby's Bits or something for 25 quid. You take that 25 quid, you stick it in the bank until it clears. Now, this is the smart bit. You send back the cheque for £25 from the other company name, Arse Ticklers Faggots Fan Club, saying, well, you're sorry and we couldn't get the supplies from America because they run out of stock. Now, you see how many people cash that cheque? Not a single soul. Because who wants their bank manager to know they tickle arse when they're not paying in cheques? So how long do you have to wait till you see a return? Probably no more than four weeks. A month? So what fucking good is that if we need it in six? No, five days. <laughs> That's um, in my list of uh, comments, yes. The Arstickler's Faggot Fan Club. <laughs> it's just like, the, part of me's going, you know what? That'd probably work. Um, like, like, not so much anymore because obviously no one writes fucking checks anymore. But there's, there's part of me going, I'd be interested to see what your return would be. <laughs> it would be... I did think that's actually a really yeah. clever idea. Um, as far as illegal money-making yes. schemes go, um, if I had to do something, it certainly wouldn't be the robbing people or blowing people's toes off with a shotgun. I would probably be more likely to go for a version of that, maybe not quite maybe the Maybe same. not quite as blatant. <laughs> but, yes, maybe not quite as obvious. And um, I would certainly, even to do that, you'd have to go somewhere and register that name at some point. So that would be an interesting conversation to walk into the bank yes. and try and open a bank yeah, account. No, no, under no, the know, name. I've got a tax number and everything. It's okay. Look, we're on the internet. Here's my website. <laughs> got a registered charity yeah, number. We're okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't pay tax. It's all good. We're like a church. Um, so in between this, you know, Ed's been on a bender for two days and he. Uh, he stumbles into the cupboard and, and realises that he can overhear his neighbours, which is Dog and the gang, uh, planning the heist to steal uh, the money and drugs from the, the growers. Um, who like, I, I like how they've just got shoeboxes full of money. Just just go, man, put it over there. you got to wonder, where did they get the shoeboxes? I mean, they, they're not like the kind of people that go out and regularly shoes. buy, you know... <laughs> Loads of pairs of shoes, so where you know you got to wonder what the origin story well, of the shoebox. Who knows? Maybe they were using the shoeboxes as a delivery mechanism. See, maybe I don't mm. know. It's just, you, you thought a lot harder yeah. about that than I did. Uh, and um, so, listen, you know, they uh, Ed goes back, talks to the boys. They decide they're going to they pull it off. Um, Tom goes to visit Nick the Greek to to buy the weapons and then um, you know work out um, you know where to sell the weed and that's where we get the introduction to to Rory now R- Rory is, 
is is strange. Now, just before we go any further, I'm going to play the audio um, of Danny John Jules's description of Rory uh, for those of you at home, and then we're going to come back and 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 talk about it. Rory Breaker, Rory, yeah, I know Rory. He's not to be underestimated. He's a funny looking fucker, I know, but you've got to look past the hair and the cute cuddly thing. It's all a deceptive facade. A few nights ago. Rory's Roger Iron rusted. Say he's gone down the battle cruiser to watch the end of a football game. No one's watching the custard, say he switches the channel over. A fat geezer's north opens, and he wanders up and turns the lizer over. Now fuck off and watch it somewhere else. Rory knows Claret is imminent, but he doesn't want to miss the end of the game. So calm as a coma, picks up a fire extinguisher, walks straight past the jam rolls who are ready for action, and plonks it outside the entrance. He then orders an Aristotle of the most ping-pong tiddly in the nuclear sub and switches back to his footer. That's fucking it, says the geezer. That's fucking what, says Rory, and he gobs out a mouthful of booze covering fatty. He flicks a flaming match into his bird's nest, and the geezer's lit up like a leaking gas pipe. Rory, unfazed, turns back to his game. His team's won two, four nil. That's spoilers, that's my thing. Not surprised. <laughs> All right, so we're back. So for those of you at home that didn't have the subtitles, um, oh, my guessing there's a large number of you that had no idea what the fuck that was about. To be perfectly honest, mate, I struggle when I'm from this country, albeit a different part of there, it. There, there's, there's bits of that, that that I sort of, I went, uh, what is it? The the most potent ting-tong tittle in, in the nuclear sub? And I'm going, well, okay, hang on, roll that, roll that back. <laughs> oh, right, he meant, he meant the strongest you could find in the pub. <laughs> oh, yep. Yeah, look. See, the thing that I don't get about these is that if, you, if you're going to take a three-letter word of pub and change it to nuclear sub, that's so yeah. much more effort to say nuclear sub. You, why well, would you not just see, say Well, the pub? thing is, they're not Australians, right? Australians just would have, would have either, A, added an O on the end to it, because that's what we do. Pub-o. Pub-o. Pub-o, servo, bottle-o. Um, or we just would have uh, just left it as pub. Because <laughs> pubs, like, that's long enough to go... But then everything becomes a pub. Doesn't bar anywhere that serves alcohol. It's a pub. Um, we don't want to go into that. So uh, anyway, like I said, for those of you at home, I suggest you go and uh, watch that scene on YouTube and read the actual subtitles because fuck me. Um, <laughs> it's actually quite interesting when you if you have some sort of basic understanding of the kind of things he's saying versus the subtitles version of it, which is a very much a very different. It's almost like it's been put into Google Translate and come back out, if you know what I mean. It's the same general story, but it's nowhere near the kind of words and no, sentiment no, it, that he said. It's it's like a sanitised, very much sanitised version of what he said. But you know what? For for those of us that are may, maybe not native speakers, um, you know, you get the tone, you get the feeling. The visuals do explain a lot. <laughs> yes, the visuals help a lot. No. It's not so good in a podcast type of thing, but certainly the visuals do tell you a lot of what's going on. Um, so we then, you know, we 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 get the bit where um, the 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 two incompetent thieves go and rob the poor old people, uh, which is which includes uh, like feet torture. Which <laughs> Gaddy, Gaddy, why are you always yes. torturing feet? And it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, you got to wonder. There's, yeah. a, there's some weird fetish going on there. There's, there's something. There's something in his backstory I really don't no, want. To know about. And you know, well, he does. He does get his perm parted quite nastily by the by the butler. <laughs> that, 
that that is honestly I had to pause the movie at that because I couldn't I couldn't see for a few seconds after that because the tears were streaming down my face when the the the, 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 the U shaped top of his bouffant hairdo that he was so so proud of it he spent so much money it's just like little wisps of smoke just just sort of drifting up from it and the look on his face is just like I'm pretty sure I just soiled myself yeah, I, I, I would not want his dry cleaning bill after that. Um, um, so they we lo- later learned that obviously they've actually sold the guns to Nick the Greek, um, and, and you know Barry Barry's obviously suitably upset and tells him he better go and fucking find them. But we then find out that Nick the Greek has then sold the guns to Tom, and that whole conversation, like you know, he goes, "Why aren't they sawing off?" Oh well, people are looking for a bit more range these days, and I'm going, "Really? You fuck, you lying dog!" <laughs> yes, your average bank hold up. You need a forty yeah, to fifty yard don't. range um, because that's how big banks uh, are. No, you, you, if you just want to stand in the door and demand money, you can. Just, that's how you do it. Just fucking <laughs> stand three doors down and demand oh, things from people. Um, then we get obviously Big Chris going to visit Sting. Uh, you know, telling you that basically Harry wants his bar, and I, I like how Sting just sort of says, "Well, you know, I- I'm going to choose my words carefully, but tell Harry to go fuck himself." <laughs> you got to wonder what the yes, less careful version yes, of that was. Mate, if mate, that's the carefully chosen version of it, you got to wonder yes. what was he going to say if he, Ma- if maybe, he wasn't big Chris. Maybe he was going to offer him a tea bag. I don't know. I'm just suggesting that could happen. <laughs> Maybe he was going to check his drawer, see if he well, had any See, that could have been it. He could have just reached under the bar and gone, no, no fucks for you. Um, I miss having a drawer. <laughs> um, so we, we cut back to the boys going over the plan and uh, we then learn about Soap's love of knives. And this is the point where I'm going, yeah, he, he, Soap is yes. the man. No two ways about it. He He's done some like really bad shit. You just know it. I have to, I have to, say, I have to say, and it's a sad admission, but the first thing I thought was, oh, "That's oh, not a knife. No. This is a knife." <laughs> no, ruined it. No. I thought, "Oh dear, Paul Hogan gets everywhere. He's even, he's even ruined the part of Lockstock and two smoking barrels for me." Um, <laughs> that's, that's stuck with me now. Thanks heaps. Um. Right, so obviously the heist gets underway. They go. Um, it's a it's an absolute shambles, uh, despite the fact that the 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 drug growers finally remember to lock the door. Uh, you know, one of them gets their, his his foot basically shot off. Um, there's a and that looks oh. that looks grody. It really does. And part of me, I was curling my toes when when you see it later. It's like oh, just, just, oh, just. yeah. That's not 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 nice at all. That was one of those, you know, um, kind of feel my feet moving inside my shoes, uh, trying to get away from but it. But we do moments. get all the hilarity with the Bren gun, which is just fucking. Oh dear! I, I love how you remember to to bring and the, the big ear defender. Yes, he has to wear he, death he, he brought, yeah, he defenders for himself. Fuck everybody else. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yep. that's so good and you know we go through there they eventually you know go through they, they find all of the money and all of the, all of the all of the gunja um, and we get the bit and look this is actually my favourite bit is when what's her name is it Brenda or um, oh, Gloria when Gloria 
Oh, Gloria pops Gloria, up on the couch, yeah. off the couch and just opens up with the brain cards. And you like see shells falling. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. I love that scene. Yeah. Classic oh, movie yeah, gun yeah, moment. So big fire, explosions. It's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Endless yeah. magazine of bullets, given that the brain gun had either a 20 or a 30 round clip in it. I think there's a bit more than 20 to 30 oh, times yeah. that goes yeah. off in that scene. Yeah, movie guns. Lo- movie loads of guns out the window. Um, and and uh, we also get, yeah. obviously, uh, a bit of interaction with, with a traffic warden. Uh <laughs> Rob Brydon, that was a big surprise for me. I did not expect to see Rob Brydon in this at all, let alone as a kind of weary traffic well, warden. Maybe he just had a day off and they went, yeah, if you got, you know, two hours to shoot, can you pop in and get it done? Uh, but but this whole film's like that. Like, this, like you say, there's people and you go, oh, I know him, I know him, I know him. Um, so you like, so you do that, uh, they uh, beat up the, the aforementioned traffic warden, throw him in the back of the van, they the criminals then return home with a bag full of money and a bag full of, and a van full of marijuana. That's a that was a lot of marijuana. Um, it, that was an incredible amount. That's you know that you got to wonder. No wonder they're looking for somebody to sell it on. That's not the kind of thing you you know you walked uh, in your average no, pub and get no, rid no, of. You, you're not standing outside the dance going. Do you want to score? Because that uh, you're probably there for life. Uh, so. No. Ed and the boys ambush them as planned quite well uh, you know they get that done and I like how dogs just sort of going I'm going to find you I'm going to find you <laughs> <laughs> yep all the way through all he's concerned about is getting his revenge he's not he doesn't care that they're robbing them anymore it's all about you can't do this to me yeah. you're going to get yours so um, this is where everything starts to really fall apart because Nick takes the sample to Rory Breaker who then realises that you know what that's really good drugs and he then finds out that that's because it's the drugs that he has Snow White and the three chemists growing for him and uh, yes. Rory is very unhappy uh yeah, I think that's an understatement. Um, it's it's quite impressive how uh, the scene with Nick Sand in there, like the naughty school kid that's been brought up in front of the headmaster, and he's like, I'm going to guess that you're stupid. And <laughs> you're just stupid enough to do this because you really would not be standing here trying to sell me yeah. sell my own drugs so, back to so me. So good. And you're going to have to work very hard to not die today. <laughs> I will fucking kill you. Yes. Um... So while this is going on, the boys are at the at uh, at Sting's bar drinking, and we get a, a montage of drinking stupidity, which looked like fun to me. Um, and then, meanwhile, Dog's crew are obviously searching their place to find out who robbed them. And uh, this is the point where Plank inadvertently gets thrown headfirst through a vent uh, into the neighbors, which is obviously Ed's house, and he finds out exactly what's happened. It's the array of microphones that amuses me. It's like, you know, you're trying, you're trying to spy on your, na- your neighbours, so you put like three or four microphones. Yeah. And, and a reel-to-reel. <laughs> what do you think, you know, what benefit do you yeah, think yeah, you're going to get? What are you going to hear? I mean, you've heard their plan. What, what else do you need to record? Uh, but yeah, listen, as many microphones as possible. And why leave them there? After, like, after you've done it, surely take them away. Who knows? Anyway, so... You, it's a little bit of, you know, some basic tidying up could have resolved the whole situation for them. Well, look, they are young men, you know. I don't, I don't think cleanliness was, you know, high. Yeah, nobody puts their toys away when they're finished yeah, playing with them, true, let's be honest. Very true. Um, so 
we then cut back to to our inept thieves who obviously try and get their guns back from from Nick, only to find that they're gone. Um, and this is where Harry just uh, sorry Harry gets on the phone and tells them pretty much find them or they're dead. And so that sort of sets them back on another sequence. While we sort of there's a montage of everyone converging on Ed's house and Nick the Greek doing a runner. Um, while, while happy Greek music plays. Yes, it's all about the Greek. Yeah, it's um, it's it's the fact that it amused me that one of the things is that he's not trying to like pack up as like a <laughs> Greek column or something. It's it's like so stereotypically Greek. The thing you know, there's nothing about him seems Greek at all, but he's got this you know like Parthenon. Part yeah, he's got that statutory he's trying to take and all that. And, I'm that, and obviously, you know, stereos. No amps, <laughs> just stereos. Um, no, no amps, and not no stereos. amps. Uh, so. Rory and his his boys arrive at Ed's house, um, and obviously they then have a gunfight with Dog and his boys. Who and everyone seems really surprised when it, when it happens. Like you see Plank under the bed, going, "What the fuck is happening?" It's it's one of those things that you know. I think both are expecting to turn up and find you know a couple of lads, like yeah. you know, a couple of lightweights that they're not going to have any real issue with. But they they walk into a, a full on okay mm. corral kind of situation. This all ends badly. Uh, everyone pretty much dies except for um, Dog and Winston because Dog takes it out the window with the money um, and the guns and Winston's just sort of left standing there going uh, I like how he just sort of like just takes the bag of drugs and just just keeps going like he, he hears Plank and, and uh, Rory kill each other and just goes no nah, just don't look back don't look back just keep going just just keep walking yeah. yes that's in the past yes. now let's move on yes, to just keep chat. moving on so Winston leaves with the drugs Dog's left with the two shotguns and the money. He then gets stopped by Big Chris outside the door, who like knocks him out and takes it all. The boys are still on their way back to the house. Is that gone? Is it not a classic footballer headbutt as well that takes? Yeah, it was just like smack, knocks him flat. Yes, can your mother so get her to stitch this? A boom. Uh, (laughs) Yes. uh, So knocks him flat in his ass. Uh, So. Gary and Dean now obviously they know who did it. They they know that um, you know what's going on. So then they go to Harry's place at the same time that Chris is going to Harry's place. And then this is where it gets a little confusing. Chris delivers the money and the guns to Harry, which is fine. Yep. The boys get back to the oh sorry excuse me. Boys get back to the flat <laughs> to see absolute carnage, <laughs> uh, and all their money, all their drugs, everything's gone. And they go, oh, fuck. Uh, so they're going to go to Harry's. Yes. Then this is the point where Gary and Dean burst into Harry's office. Um, and the, and you get the the uh, the pocket watch bells from, like, the Sergio Leone movies. And I'm going, oh, so mm. cool. Uh, and there's, and there's like obviously, a, you know, there's a shootout. And I like just as, as, as Barry and Gary are about to die, and they both go, what the fuck are you doing here? It's, you, there's the bit just before that where Harry oh, phones right. yeah, Eddie yeah. and says about the money and you can hear him in the, and he's just so confused when he gets a phone call because he's like we don't have the money what's he talking about the money we've got to go yeah. and see him why are we you know and they're so like, uh, what what uh, okay yeah we'll, we'll come and see you because yeah, they're just like uh, they're, so it's like what are yes. we doing um, and, and like that's 
Um, so this is then Chris goes back to his car and finds Dog holding little Chris at knife point demanding that obviously he give him back the money and Tom then go to Harry's office and find dead Harry dead Barry dead Gary and dead whatever Gary Dean thank you Dean and dead Dean and they just decide to again take the money for themselves (laughs) all over this money is just like yeah just hand off hand off hand off and then yeah, who doesn't walk into a room and find half a million and quid go, and a couple of shotguns lying around? <laughs> Don't worry about the dead bodies. I'm having that cash and I'm having them guns. Yeah. Um, now, before they're able to to leave, Chris then basically like smashes his car into their car, um, which knocks them all out. Um, disables Dog because Dog isn't wearing a seatbelt and Chris has been very clear to make sure that his son was always wearing a seatbelt safety first kids um, and then yep. like bludgeons him to death with the uh, the car door and as I said for me that's the most violent part of the whole movie despite the fact that you don't see it there's just something about Vinnie Jones's face and the, the way they slow it down it's just like oh fuck yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah that there's there's some proper anger coming out there and like I say it's yeah. that achievable level of violence it's not that um, it's that kind of thing that it's not something you think is in a separate world and the way over there and you know, it's something that you know you can imagine somebody doing that and then to just the look on his face and the spit and the the eyes just like yeah. wow that yeah, man's exactly. lost just, it. Like, and he's completely gone and he's not going to stop until this guy is just mush um, fortunately, we cut away from that, and uh, we see that uh, you know the, the boys have been arrested. Uh, we see uh, Ed, you know, being interviewed, and we get another appearance by the traffic warden, who says, "No, no, it's not him," um, and he gets let go. We get a quick scene with obviously Ed and and Sting uh, and Alan, who I mentioned briefly, is the who is the narrator for this. Who's no doubt whose voice you've already heard throughout this episode as I dropped in clips, um, and. He has to. I like. I like how Sting makes uh, Ed like walk back to the bar. It's like no, that's Alan's seat. Fuck off. <laughs> you can. You can walk home. <laughs> you can walk, son. We get back. Um, you know the boys are obviously just about ready to leave. Ed goes on to explain everything, and um, you know they tell. I love it that they're telling Tom to get rid of the guns. Like the only thing that ties him to the whole whole problem is the two shotguns that Tom still has in the back of his car. It's just, and Tom's going, no, no, but... Yeah, is that, you know, hang on a minute. Why, why am I keeping the only two things that yes, could lead to me being put in, in jail? In the back of your car, which is parked at the front of the bar. You idiot. Yeah, it's not not exactly hidden away surreptitiously somewhere. He's not like buried them in a field with a, ma- a treasure map to them. It's just like, if he gets stopped by the coppers, A, he's got two shotguns in the boot of his car that he'll get lifted for, and B, they're the two shotguns that link them to 15 dead people, a robbery, half a million quid's worth of hash. Just not bad. So they they send Tom off to uh, get rid of it. This is when Chris arrives again, um, gives them back their duffel bag, uh, after saying that, you know, he's pretty much taken care of himself and his son, because now he's obviously out of an employer, but thought it was worth returning their bag to them. Um... (laughs) which I thought was uh, was really good. And he d- leaves the boy just going, I just want to say, it's been emotional. It's just like, yep, that, that, that's the <laughs> nicest way he could have put it. It's been emotional. Yeah. It was de- it's, it's definitely a thing. A thing. Well um, boys open up the bag. It's empty except for a manila envelope that's got a, uh, a catalogue in it. And they, they learn that the... Uh, 
the the two guns that they've just sent Tom off to uh, to dispose of is uh, are both quite valuable. And then we 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 get the the, the scene of yes. everyone trying to ring Tom to go no Tom no. And uh, the film ends with Tom hanging off off the side of a bridge with his mobile phone stuck in his mouth and ringing and like trying to push the the guns off the bridge into the Thames. Interesting fun fact about this scene, Tom's wearing a hat because he'd let his hair grow for another role because this was actually filmed uh-huh. afterwards. So he, to avoid any continuity type issues, he had to wear a, a woolly cap to hide the fact that his hair was so drastically different from the rest of the film. There you go. I was curious about that. But it is the one thing that really stuck out in this scene to me was oh, I know. mobile phones. And it's like, have you got his number? And it's, what's his number? And it's like, Christ almighty, it's, surely it's just like, you know, hit contact and I'm like, oh, analog mobile yeah, phones yeah, in the look, 90s. That's what that, that are so big, you can't actually put them in your pocket. Like, they that would... Yeah, they have to exactly, hold them in your mouth. They were OG giant phones. Because I looked at it and went, ah, oh, fascinated by it. And then went, oh no, think about the time. Yeah, you're probably right. Probably, but again, yeah, analog phones <laughs> with just that little like single green digital display or LED display, I should say. Oh, so good. Yes. Um, all right. So, rounding it out, I've already said what my favourite scene was, which is Gloria with the Bren gun. It's just so random, uh, but I love it. Uh, that that scene in itself is my favourite. And yours was? Well, I'm going to break the rules slightly, and I've got Oof, okay. runners-up that I wanted to mention. Was the runners-up was the introduction <laughs> to Barry the Baptist, where he's got the guy's head in the barrel going, are you going to fucking pay? You're going to fucking pay? Trying to drown him and he's watching his watch to see, yeah, make sure he yeah, didn't that, actually right. kill him. Yeah, no, that's long enough. Don't want to actually kill him. He owes, he owes money. Dead men can't pay their bills. Yeah. Um, so there was that and there was also the introduction of Big Chris to the bit we've already mm. talked about in the tanning salon with his son. But my actual favourite scene is, we've also talked about, is Danny John Jules describing oh. the Simone Joes incident um, and the, the, the translation that comes up on the screen being the highly sanitised, almost BBC English version <laughs> of what he's actually saying. That is just, it's the fact that he goes outside, puts the fire extinguisher out in the street, comes back in, gets the thing dong diddly and <laughs> sets the guy on fire, but as I at least had the forethought to leave a fire extinguisher yeah. for him and put himself yeah. out. He didn't just... want to kill him, he just wanted to make a fucking point. <laughs> and it's the fact that you see the guy running out the pub yeah, yeah, the the, very, that's right, you know, the... when they're when they go yeah, in the Simone and Joe's yeah. you know, it ties it all back yeah, in. Really it, like so when you when you see that out of context, it's so random. Yes. <laughs> a man on fire running out of a Samoan pub in London, that must happen yeah, every five didn't minutes. Seem all that worried about it, which is what got me it's like um and leader of the pack stand out for me as i said soap i i just i love soap this is something there's something not quite right about him in this movie and, and i think it's fantastic yeah i have to say my favorite's barry the baptist just for the sheer the the fact i mean it's pretty clear he used to be a bare knuckle boxer you take one look at his face and it's certainly not the face of an office worker let's just say that um and yeah, and the, there's also the sad part about Lenny McLean that um, he thought he had the flu when they were filming it. Turned out it was cancer yes. and he died between filming and the film actually being released. Wow. So, yeah, he died a month before the it's film came out. Often, mate. It's like, you know, you've done serious work. Um, <laughs> now, for, for a rating, um, look, it's five out of five. As I said, I unashamedly love this movie. And for yourself? Not quite a five. It's a four and a half for me. 
um, for a loud half. Of course, you're a loud half mark. You can you can put in four point three seven five if you feel like it. There are there are no rules. Uh, it's a brilliant film. I think if I had seen it at the time, I would have probably rated it mm. higher. There's parts of it I find a bit cringy, <laughs> certainly with the, some of the acting and some of the, you know, Steve Collins, the boxer, as a bouncer at a boxing gym and stuff, and I'm like, okay, but fair enough. <laughs> but um, there's bits of it I do look at it and I think, well, I don't know if it's because it's 22 years yeah. later that it looks a bit cringy because it was more like yeah. the 90s. Yeah, look, there's some but language. I mean, it's a brilliant film. Very glad I've seen it, but I don't just don't think it quite makes a five. Fair cool, fair cool. I can, I can understand that fully. Well, before I close out the show, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule at staying at home and uh, and apparently working to uh, to spend some time with me. Um, would you be interested in coming back at some stage? Of course, mate. Anytime you know that. I'm always up for a chat with you. We've had many a uh, spent many an hour blethering all sorts of nonsense, drinking coffee and having all the rest of it. So yeah, I'm more than happy to come on and talk about stuff in the future. If you if you if there's a film you think would um, fit for me to come on and blame Oh, mate, considering the fact that you're the one that did all the homework, I I would would be remiss of me to not invite you again. Brilliant. Thank you, sir. All right. So, coming up on the next episode in two weeks' time, uh, we will have another new guest and something a little different with 1999's Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Be a good fella and leave a rating or review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show and make sure you share it with the rest of your gang on Twitter, Facebook, and on Instagram as GOHpod and www.gohpod.com. Most of all, make sure you say hello to your little friend, for me. Guns for show, nice for a pro.